Istanbul was Constantinople, now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople, been a long time gone, oh Constantinople, still it's Turkish delight on a moonlit night. Every gal in Constantinople lives in Istanbul, not Constantinople, so if you've a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul, even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. People just liked it better that way. Take me back to Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. Why did Constantinople get the word? Word up, y'all. I'm coming at you from an old bank vault in the basement of the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, on Treaty 6 territory. It's the show with all the words, all of the best words. It's Word Salad on CGSR 88.5 FM. This is the show that asks whether we speak language or whether language speaks us. What am I talking about? I am talking about how language informs how we think, not the other way around. So do you ever think about like names of places? It's one of the, again, it's one of those strange things where it just seems so basic. Like, why would you even think about why a place is called what it is? But when we start to think about what our names are for places, we realize that those names inform how we think about them. So today I'm going to bring you a few stories about places that whose names have been changed. It's going to be super interesting. The feature this episode is with a Guatemalan musician known as Dr. Nativo. And uh, he achieved some notoriety just about a year ago because his first album came out and it's called Guatemala. And he's going to talk about how he changed the name of his home country from Guatemala to Guatemala and why he did that and what impact it's had. Uh, also on the show, we're going to talk about some infamous uh, change name changes of places, sort of riff on that, and uh, just hear some good music, right? Like the four lads we heard at the top, Istanbul, Constantinople. Uh, it's kind of a novelty song, but you know, Underneath it, under that kind of cheesy novelty song, lots of interesting insights. Even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Yeah, it's like they had to change, once the English took over, they had to change it from Amsterdam to York. And uh, I mean, how how interesting would it be if like Jay-Z was singing a rapping, I guess, rapping songs about New Amsterdam? Be kind of crazy, right? Uh, there are some. That's a kind of uh, an easy one, but there's um, some more vexing ones that are still with us, and um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about those. So, without further ado, let me bring you this interview with Doctor Nativo. I had a chance to sit down with him and his band the day before their concert at the Edmonton Folk Fest. And uh, it was a fantastic show. It was like the most danceable, energetic, interactive show I saw at the Folk Fest. Really enjoyed it. 
Uh, but underneath him, you're going to hear that there is a very important social and cultural message that has to do with, for lack of a better term, decolonizing Guatemala. So let's get to it. Dr. Nativo. All right, so uh, just to kick it off, um, can you tell me uh, tell me your name and uh, what you're here to do? All right, my name is Dr. Nativo, and I'm uh, here at the Edmonton Fall Fest to share my culture from Guatemala. All right, uh, are you guys going to uh, talk too? Can I just go ahead and get your names? Yeah. Uh, George Gaviria. Jorge Gaviria. Um, my name is Salvador Chavajay. I come from Guatemala. Uh, I play the marimba with yeah. Dr. Nativo. Awesome. Cool. Very cool. Um, can I can I just uh, ask you one question to begin? Um, I heard the song Guatemala. Love it. It's amazing. Uh, it's, it's just a fantastic song. And I've heard you say you're from Guatemala. I've heard you say Guatemala. Why do you say Guatemala and not Guatemala? Well, um, it started like a long time ago when like we, we used to like be a lot in Europe and they will always like do interviews to me and you know when everybody said where are you from i had a band that ha that we were from many different countries and then always when they ask me i say from guatemala and there is like the spanish people mala means bad you know mala that word is means bad so they will always make a joke like a bad joke and i would be like i don't like that you know I didn't like, like the first time was fine, but like then like five different interviews, they did the same joke, the same thing. So I was like, I'm gonna see what happens in the next interview and I'm gonna say, I come from Guatemala, you know. And the minute I say that, you know, like they asked all the other ones, Mexico, oh nice, Paraguay, nice. Where are you from, Guatemala? Where? Guatemala, yeah, the land of the Maya, I said. And the whole perspective changed, you know, and then, we made the song and then it became an anthem for the young people in there, you know, and it's, it's like a pretty much like the, this song of the country, apart from like the anthem, you know, is a, a balls, so people don't feel too identified with it, you know. That's really cool. So it's people are listening to it and really picked up on it and back in, 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 in your home country. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they it's like a, 
you know, like a song that all the all the new generation is like uh, have it as a, um, how can you say like um, yeah, like a, as a as a flag, pretty much. You know, Guatemala. They all say Guatemala. We're from Guatemala. You know. So is it because it has the Maya in there? Is it the the Maya part? The and Mayan, and tell me, tell me, land, yeah. yeah, and tell me, tell me about why how that is important to you and your music and what you do, the Mayan element. Yeah, well, it's it's important because that's like pretty much like you can say is the treasure from our land. You know, all the Mayan culture, the Mayan cosmogony, and everything. You know, is like something that is very alive, but to the world is very unknown. You know. What are the Nahuales, you know, for example? The Nahuales are the Mayan animal spirits, you know, that we we all have one, you know. And I studied this since 2012 with different elders, and I, I'm still learning, and, and I, I come to share a lot of that knowledge also with the people here, yeah, through the music. Do you guys have... Um, no? No? <laughs> Go ahead? Okay. All right. Um, so tell me a little bit... Uh, let's back up... Um, Tell me about the sounds that you heard growing up. What kinds of things did you hear that stuck with you? Uh, well, my my dad was is was a Cuban artist, you know, and um, he he died like in the nineties. He was murdered in Guatemala, and my mom is like a native from Guatemala, you know, and so in my house there was always like. Uh, a lot of music, you know, a lot of music since I was little. Um, my Because my dad was Cuban, he had a lot of like son cubano, salsa, guaguancó, all of these cumbia rhythms and all of these different like Latin rhythms that I learned since I was little. And he liked Bob Marley a lot. So I was very familiar with that music. So kind of like those influences made like pretty much what I, why, what I play now, you know. I, I went from playing rock, you know, when I was a, a kid, you know, like youngster. And then I started developing my own style and everything. And still I recorded my first demos, you know. And in 2018, I released, uh, I, I signed the, the contract with Stone Tree Records and released my first album called Guatemala. Uh -huh. Cool. Um, can you tell me how you came up with the, the name Doctor Nactivo? Yeah, Doctor Nativo is is, um, is I didn't just came up with the name like my all the people that that were surrounding me, my good close friends, you know, uh, they know that my my grandfather and my uncle and everybody there. I'm come, I come from a family of doctors, you know. They're all like uh, medical doctors, you know. Okay. And um, I'm pretty much the only one that did something very different, like music, you know. But I study music. I study in La Habana. I study in Denmark. I study in different countries' music, too. So they started, you're a doctor, but in music, they used to say to me. And Nativo is because I, I, I study the native cultures from around the world, you know. Of course, I'm like, I represent uh, the, 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 the Mayan Cosmovision, you know, because that's my my philosophy you know and my lifestyle but i also learn everywhere everywhere i go i take a little bit of uh, of of what what it resonates with me of each culture you know how did you get interested in the mayan cosmod what do you say cosmology. cosmology cosmology how did that did was that something you grew up with or was it something you developed an interest in later well i always was very spiritual since i was very very little you know and um when I was like uh, 16, I went to India for the first time. I was alone, you know. 
So it was like that 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 was a very changing experience, you know, and I travel a lot and then when I came back to my country it was like, well, I'm learning all of these cultures, but what about my own culture? What about like my own roots, you know? And first I went to Cuba to learn all of my father's side roots, you know, and I studied there, the music and everything. And then I went to Guatemala since 2012 and I started I I pretty much dived into the Mayan cosmology and and haven't haven't come out of it and probably won't come out of it. That's really cool. Can you uh, talk about some of the elements? Um, I guess first of traditional uh, Guatemala, Guatemalan um, folklore. I, I noticed like marimba. Yeah. Uh, some. Can you talk about some of the traditional Guatemalan elements and then how you kind of you change them a little bit because your music is also very modern in a way yeah you know it's like the marimba like my friend Chavajai you know he's he's here he, uh, playing the marimba with me and it's like um, you know that instrument is the national instrument of Guatemala you know and uh, but in there like pretty much like most of the marimbas they play like the more like orchestra sort of like balls and all of these kind of things you know but there is the traditional marimba. And my friend here, uh, Salvador Chavajai, he comes from the from the first uh, family of indigenous that started playing the marimba, you know, in the in the in the mountains, you know. How long ago was that? Uf, como cuando estaba Juan Chavajai, Chuck? En los años 1920s and and grandsons they all graduate from piano and they're piano masters you know yeah. but now my friend Chavajai decided to like because I'm doing this fusion with the ancient and the modern you know uh, he liked that idea and he how you say re 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 reencounter with that instrument and now he's he's applying it in my music again you know it sounds so cool i mean it's it sounds it just sounds perfect like even when there's like hip-hop and marimba it just sounds organic right it just that's what's really cool about it um can i ask chava um salvador can i ask you a little bit more about the marimba um, yes but the problem i, I can't speak english it's uh, you can try it's okay. Okay. how about some in spanish is that okay yeah i can translate or you can oh my french is terrible man no, no, my french is horrible <laughs> So I just want to know um, a little bit more about the marimba because it sounds like so important to your group and to the sort of identity of, of Guatemala, right? Um, can you tell me about how your, was it your grandfather was the first one? Tu, tu abuelo fue el primero para tocar el marimba. ¿Cómo, cómo fue eso? Eso... Eh, yo vengo de una familia realmente artista. Eh, yo soy la cuarta generación de esta familia. Él no es mi abuelo, es mi tatarabuelo. Digamos, el abuelo de mi abuelo. Sí, entonces, eh, 
La historia de él fue realmente increíble porque él lo sabe, también doctor nativo sabe bien la historia de mi abuelo que nos ha inspirado tanto. Él eh, hicieron mucha fiesta en esa, en esa época, con, en la época ancestral y ellos eh, iban con la marimba eh, de pueblo en pueblo porque no habían buses, no habían... Sí, sí, dormían en la montaña, a veces llegaban, a veces caminaban dos días para llegar al lugar donde iba, donde era la fiesta eh, de cada pueblo, entonces así fue, eso fue la vida de él, eso fue, así vivió toda su vida, nunca, no fue agricultor, porque la mayoría de los agricultores eh, en Guatemala son, son indígenas, en Guatemala son agricultores, y mi abuelo se dedicó directamente al arte, y toda esta generación que está ahora, eh, hay muchos artistas, pintores, eh, músicos. Eh, es una familia realmente rico en, en, en culturalmente hablando. Ajá, culturalmente sí. hablando Ajá. y, Tradición. y tra tradicionalmente hablando. Nos dejó la tradición y por esta misma razón que yo eh, retomé ese instrumento, que mi abuelo lo... Porque yo me dediqué a, a la música clásica, yo estudié en Italia... En el, me gradué en el Conservatorio de Italia, yo eh, me, terminé mis estudios en Montreal, estuve en Moscú, eh, pero como tú dices, yo me estoy mezclando lo moderno con, con mis inicios, que mi, que mi verdadero raíz y me encanta hacerlo, lo disfruto cada vez y más con la música de Doctor Nativo que, que, no, es, que no es una música cualquiera que realmente... Yo soy eh, es con el único artista que yo colaboro con mi país es con él. Ah, ¿En serio? Sí, 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 yo, porque yo tengo una carrera especial también, yo tengo, él conoce, él conoce, yo tengo una, que yo soy pianista internacional, yo hago recitales en, en, en temporadas y, y, y cuando yo hago música eh, pop en general, eh, lo hago con él, lo hago con él porque eh, me siento feliz, me siento, y siento que es mi lugar y siento que que ahí va lo que, lo que yo quiero transmitir, porque yo no puedo tocar mi eh, piano para, en el proyecto de él, y, pero este instrumento, y tenemos una historia con él también, yo lo cono él me inspiró mucho desde pequeño, porque yo lo vi a él como creció como artista, y, y uno de los artistas que me ha inspirado a mí hasta donde yo he, he llegado es Doctor Nativo, es doc sí, sí, entonces, eh, y él lo sabe, él lo sabe, no, no, él lo sabe más que yo, entonces, esa es la razón por qué estoy aquí y por qué ando con él y tenemos otros compromisos después y a veces no, no participo con él por lo mismo, porque yo tengo mi propio, eh, mi propio camino okay. y cuando juntamos agendas, pues yo siempre estoy ahí y es la, es la segunda vez que tocamos en Canadá esta vez. Esta, ya, el, año, el año pasado estuvimos en Toronto y en, en Sudbury, In, y en London, Ontario, eh, fue perfecto, fue una gira increíble con otra marimba. Eh, ahora este año nos juntamos y el próximo año nos, iré, nos iremos a Panamá. Okay. Sí, sí, con, también siempre con... Y es, no tengo más palabras, pues la estrella es él, sigue entrevistando. Sí, sí. No, but I just, I want to ask you or, or whoever or George, I just want to ask one more follow up about the marimba. Um, you said the marimba is the national instrument yes. of Guatemala, right? Um, why, why the marimba? Can you tell me something about the marimba? Where does it come from and why is it so important to your country? The, the, the marimba, is, um, the marimba is, is African, you know. It's, it's, a, it's an African instrument. I don't, know exactly, I don't know exactly how that instrument traveled all the way to, there's the rest of the band. 
travel all the way to Central America, you know, to Guatemala. How did that end up in there? But you can see in the temples, you know, there is a African faces like uh, carved in the Mayan ruins, you know, like very big white noses and like all the features of African people. So I think a lot of uh, these big, uh, they, they used to travel by the seamen and they will like share knowledge, I think, in the past and somehow the marimba end up in there. Yeah. And then uh, the other classical marimba that they call the one for concert concert marimba, um, they kind of like erase the, the traditional marimba that is also made with this, um, how do you call it? Uh, it's like some sort of like a, a like a fruit that dries and it makes acoustic, you know. Oh, okay. So the traditional ones has all of this and it has like different things and the concert marimba is like very different sound, you okay. know. So yeah, it's 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 the story is not exactly known, but uh, that's the instrument that all the all the natives in there play. Yeah. So that's that's super interesting because. Uh, it seems like you're like what you guys do musically as well kind of brings together the African um, African traditions that maybe lie behind cumbia or son cubano and uh, more indigenous elements. Can you can you talk about how important that is to those two traditions and whether you try to fuse them or, or keep them separated or how do you how do you deal with those two traditions? With the African and the Mayan tradition, yeah. well, like in my case, like my dad is from Cuba, so I have a lot of the African influence from that, you know, and my mom from Guatemala. So, like for me, it's just natural. And and for example, I I cause I like I study the, the the spirituality of both cultures, you know, of the African oh. and the Mayan, and they're like the same. When you know, like when you find out, for example, the spirits of the African, for example, Yemaya. She's known as the goddess of the water, you know, of the sea, you know. In Mayan, is Imosh, is the god of the water, you know. And like that, Elegua is the one that opens the, 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 the path for the Africans. In Mayan, is Sakpe, you know. So it's the same. So in the end, and then I've been in other places where they have, like, it's the same. In the end, it's just one whole big ancient culture that is being, like, kind of, like, muted or or distorted by religion, practically, yeah. pretty yeah. much, you know. I don't know, my friends can tell a little bit of also about other, like, the fusion of the music, like, you can ask my friend Jorge, like, what he hears in the music, you know, what, what we mix. Okay, I'm gonna do that, Jorge. So tell me about some of the elements that, that, that you mix in the, in the music. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I, I mix those elements. It's all under the direction of uh, Dr. Nativo, and it's, uh, you know, truly, uh, truly his music that, uh, you know, we uh, take part in and have the, uh, the pleasure to, uh, to share. But uh, the influences that, uh, that I hear in the music are all the, the ancestral cultures that we're talking about, the, the rich tradition, which has always been very important uh, for me as a musician in my studies. Uh, I've studied, you know, the same styles of music as uh, as Dr. Nativo and North American jazz. And for me to understand, uh, you know, modern popular music, it's very important to understand its roots and its traditions. So that's definitely very present in uh, Dr. Nativo's music. But um, along with that, uh, you will uh, likely always hear um, 
the modern aspects of music through Dr. Nativo because he is a, an artist that's very conscious and searching for what's happening, right? It's, uh, we were actually just having a conversation last night about a question that I posed to some musicians uh, looking to learn about some newer musical styles. And uh, we had a wide discussion of the importance of that, of, of, of the fact that uh, many people in our generation have now moved on from the things that we grew up with. And as you get older, it becomes harder and harder to sort of uh, uh, keep up and uh, keep an open mind to what the younger generation is doing. But there's always substance. Uh, you know, the hip hop that we were growing up with was looked down on, was it was seen as, uh, uh, well, you know, many negative stereotypes were thrown at the music. And it's uh, similar with uh, with trap today. Uh, many people from our generation aren't quite interested in that. But as I said, uh, Doctor Nativo was very good at uh, taking uh, tradition uh, and traditional music and a good understanding of, of roots and uh, bringing that to the modern uh, hip hop and electronic music, dance hall, uh, EDM, all of that. And you'll hear those influences uh, all over uh, Doctor Nativo's music. So when I play bass, you know. Some of it is traditional bass playing, but other aspects of that are sort of emulating uh, things that DJs do and stuff like that because it's part of the uh, urban connection that uh, Dr. Nativo blends together in his uh, gumbo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like a gumbo. Um, so can I ask you... What's that? Oh, hi. Can, can I just get you to say who you are and uh, what, what, what role you play in, in uh, the band? Yes, uh, my name is Patricio Martinez, but everybody knows me as Pato. I'm Brazilian born, but my family is from Chile, so I got all this Latin flavor on too. Uh -huh. And I play the percussion, where we do the cajon, okay. a cajon, cowbell, and a hand crusher. Because I like the beauty of his music about that, that we don't use a drum kit like every, every other band. We use the cajon to do the whole sound, right? Wow. Okay. So that's that's one of the the things that I, I actually like it, and it's very interesting to be able to do yeah. that with him. Yeah, excellent. Um, so that brings me to another thing I really wanted to talk to you about is uh, b-boy culture, hip hop culture. You have a song called B-boy. Um, you know, you, you're playing very traditional music, and like you said, you don't even use a drum kit, and I'm assuming you wouldn't use a, a, a any kind of a, of a drum machine, no, right? Like, all your instruments are very traditional, you know? Um, but I want to, exactly, organic sounds, um, even pre-colonial in some ways, um, yet, you know, the the hip-hop flavor in in the music is so present. How do you, how how do you try to, how do you integrate uh, like b-boy culture, hip hop music, um, into such a traditional world or, or music musical form? It's like it's like a very delicate line, you know, with that because um, you cannot like overdo any of both aspects. You know, it has to be like a balance.
but um, yeah, you know, like the hip hop for me is like, I like a lot the culture aspect of, of it, you know, not just the music, but a lot of the culture aspect of it. And like I've done graffiti, I've done breakdance, I've done DJing, and I've done MCing, you know, so those are the four elements of hip hop. And um, uh, B-Boy, actually that song that you say uh, is, is, is a, a song in honor of a, a little kid that I, I used to busk in, in Barcelona for six years, I busked in there. And um, this little boy started coming to, to every show that we did in the street with his dad. They were from Bolivia and they were break dancers, but the kid was like four years old, you know. And he was already doing head spins and crazy things at that, like little kid. So I decided to make like a, his song, you know, and when he came, I would, when he come to the show, I would always play that song for him and people will just like love it so much, you know? And yeah, we, we you know, like the ancestral is like, is something that is happening, I think, Everybody's like putting attention to that. Everybody's into now more into medicine and like finding out like a better, more sane ways of living and everything. So I think uh, that aspect, when they hear it with hip hop or with cumbia or reggae or something like that, it feels natural. You know, mm -hmm. people just feel natural. And the thing is that with my music, like Pato was saying, is very my music is very simple. And that's that's something like the simplicity is what people can relate to, you know. It's very easy for the people to relate to my music. And even if they don't speak Spanish, right away in the first song, the first minutes of my of my song, they already like the hook is super easy to catch it, you know, yeah. and easy to relate. So that's that's I think the, the, how how we are able to do that. Otherwise, it would be a little bit weird, you know. And also the the, the ancient aspect we have. Like at least I have permissions to to maneuver the candles and you know and 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 I always do a prayer, try to do a prayer and 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 the the spiritual aspect of the performance, you know, is very always present in there for me, you know. Yeah, and I noticed like um, on Guatemala, the 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 rapper, uh, he's he's rapping in Maya, yeah, Maya language. Um, What's what's he? I I speak Spanish, but I don't unfortunately don't speak Maya. What what is he? What's he rapping about? Well, like in Guatemala, um, he's talking about like uh, the, the the people that the people should wake up. You know, that's pretty much like if you can like resume the message, it's like the people should wake up and and understand where where we are for real. You know, that's like a song mostly because it's Guatemala is for the people from Guatemala. You know. So it's like to wake up from the from the from the that like lie or illusion that 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 they that most people live in there, you know, and and understand what the Maya is the beauty of the country, not because there is a lot of racism in there, and um, you know this is like a song to help like uh, be proud, like that's that's the thing that is to make the the be proud of being Guatemalan because that was something that a lot of young people feel ashamed of because of the race. race. Are you talking about from like what what dynamics within uh, the society? Where where does the racism come from? Who is it directed to? It's directed to the indigenous uh, 
community, you could say in Guatemala is not a community because it's like almost like 60% indigen indigenous. But that uh, 20% of like mixed people or white people, you could say from that come that like they are like uh, from coming from like Spanish heritage and stuff like that. They are the owners of all of the businesses of all of the things. So they treat the indigenous people very badly and uh, is very discriminated and like they make fun of them of how they speak and about a lot of things you know and but yeah we, we were trying to like make it cool to be to be Mayan again you know and my friend is also rapping uh, he's also starting to rap in in Mayan language in his traditional Sutuhil language and he's 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 getting good at it so he he will start also putting apart from the marimba he'll start rapping too can I ask e either of you um, what it's like, I mean, just in terms of flow and technique to rap in a Mayan language versus Spanish? Is it harder, easier, it's just totally different? Actually, can you, can, you, can you give us just a little bit of flavor? Ho chica ho chica ho tir, caso pegata juan, cato mocha tir ayes, cato cigatiru sick, at the shupupuzi, haricanobano helta, interisatiri, ho 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 chi, ha carinubano helta, it's no yakobi harihachi. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Tell me what you can you tell us. Yo, yo dije que yo hablo de mi abuelo. Este es un trip de mi abuelo, lo que él vivió antes en. Porque como yo te había dicho, él no, no conoció la, la otra vida que hacen las personas que van al campo o tienen un trabajo. Él se levantaba para, porque tenían, eran tres personas, eran tres personas, eran tres personas y tenía un marimbista, uno que tocaba un instrumento de viento y, él, y tenemos un instrumento de percusión que nosotros le llamamos pompón. Entonces ellos eso hacían todos los días, se juntaban, se juntaban porque ellos eran los únicos músicos que habían en el pueblo, entonces eran los más famosos en esa época, no había, eso es lo que había en esa, en esa época, no, eran lo que había. That was excellent, by the way, that was so good. Um, yeah, totally different, kind of a different vibe, right? Yeah, it's, it's a very, how do you say, I don't know what's the name of this, but it's when this language is very with this is almost almost percussive or something almost percussive but when you try to rap with that it's hard because it's like as it's like a lot of a like that so it's hard you know these words this is, it doesn't really yeah because it's it, yeah wow wow it's totally. But I speak Spanish very well, but it's also their thing. Wow, that is so. That's awesome. Um, is that much of a? Is it? Is that? Um, is that of a scene happening in 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 Guatemala now? That I mean, it sounds so cool. <laughs> what you guys are doing yeah like in 2012 we actually founded uh, a school for kids in there in the lake atitlan for that specific reason you know to to help them like be proud again of their of their own native language you know and it worked out very well you know we got fundings from like the embassy of norway 
and Fundación Pais, Mr. Music, Mr. Films. We got like equipment. We got like, we did workshops. We did uh, so much with them. And now they're big kids and they're all like with their own, like starting their own indigenous rapping careers, you know. And, and you know, like we still, every time we, we go there, like last year we did a big workshop with them again. Um, the Embassy of the United States came and funded that surprisingly they they have a they have a, a project called um next level and it's like they go to different countries around the world uh, and they bring like uh, masters of hip hop to to give performance so it was us giving the mayan knowledge to them and they came with the masters of uh, graffiti chino one of the legends of graffiti from new york and like uh, MC Giri, and like they came with a master of each uh, of the hip hop elements. And we did that, you know, so this is like popping in there a lot. And we, we are pioneers in that definitely, because in, in we, we when we started doing that with the kids, they were just carrying the bags from the tourists and working all day long, and that's all they did. And they were starting to become a little bit gangster, you know, because yeah. when you are tough in the street all the time, you become, you know, rah, tough, and the hip hop has helped them incredibly. You know, to 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 like have a, a little escape from from that like working reality that they live every day. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so can I just ask like one more question? I'd like to ask you about like you know your your um you mentioned like a sort of a social mission, right? Like wake up. Um, tell me tell me about like how you connect to what's going on in the world today. Well, you know, like I don't connect too much with the, what is actually going on in in the aspect of uh, you know all of these like regulations and things like that. I don't I don't like that too much, but I do connect with the fact that this new generation that is coming is becoming more aware. Something that is there more sleeping, but in the end, when the more I see it, you know, in my kids and in other kids, they're evolved, man. They're much more evolved than us, and they have like uh, their vision is like er in an earlier stage is more cleared, I think, than, okay. than than us. Yeah. What do you think that comes from? What does that do to? I think it's, it's, it's a thing of the DNA that is changing, and also it's a lot about like you know, in 2012. They say the Mayan people say that was going to be the end of the world. Hollywood said that pretty much, you know. And now 2019 and we're still here, you know, but that's because the Mayan people, what they say is that in the 21st of 2000, December 2012 was going to be the end of a cycle. It was this, the cycle of the darkness that we just finished. And now we start the cycle of the light. So that's, that's, everything is gonna change with that. And it's changing and it will change. And definitely, you know, like there's a lot of like Mother Earth is hurt from all the damage we've done, you know? So a lot of like maybe catastrophes or like earthquakes and things like that, we're already seeing them. And overheatings and all of this is gonna happen. But it's all, I think, with the purpose of renovating the energy, you know. And I think our our, our kids are going to be responsible to, like, make that change that we wish so much in the world, you know. That's a, that's a really optimistic, uh, positive note. I like it.
Um, any anything else you want to say? Anyone anyone want to chime in? How do you like uh, how do you like Edmonton? Edmonton, Edmonton is nice. It's, nice. It's, you know, like for us, is 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 we're used to the sun. Yeah. But this is supposed to be Canada's sunniest city. Sorry. <laughs> yes, like you know, Canada it has its own different weathers. But at least you know, like what I really, really like enjoy is like the the people are very kind and nice. You know, yeah. and it, that's that makes some sort of warmth. You know, even if there is not so much sun, the warmth of the people help us like uh, feel that feeling, you know, of, yeah. of, of warmth. Yeah. And definitely we would love to explore more, but we come for like a very short period right, of time. Right, right. But definitely the Edmonton Folk Fest is amazing. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's a pretty amazing uh, scenery they have, yeah. they have uh, built in here, you yeah. know. So we're very honored right. of, very, yeah. feel very honored of, of being in here and sharing with everybody. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. Muchas gracias. How do you say? Uh, how do you say thank you in uh, my in a Mayan? Matios Chabe. Matios Chabe. Matios Chabe. Matios Chabe. Matios Chabe. All right. Cool. That was Dr. Nactivo, recorded in August, right before the Edmonton Folk Music Festival. I am your host, Dr. Russell Cobb, the host of Word Salad, the show with all the words, all the best words, the only show that actually asks you whether you speak language or whether language speaks you. That's right. It is the show about language, identity, culture, music, you name it. Big gumbo. Um, we are coming to you from the basement of the Students Union Building in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, Treaty 6 Territory. Word salad on CGSR 88.5 FM. Next segment, we're going to talk about some, sh- some, some interesting places that change their names. Now, I have a story. Um, I teach Introduction to Latin American Studies here at the University of Alberta, and every semester when I teach it, we look at the map of South America, and I just like to look at maps. Like I love, I just love looking at old maps. They're just fascinating. And one of the things that is always vexing about a map of South America is this little these little islands right off the coast of Argentina. Because unlike other countries in um, North or South America, map makers often have two names, like names side by side. One is English and one is Spanish In for this place. Super interesting, right? Because sometimes countries change names, like Rhodesia was the colonial name for Zimbabwe, and then it became Zimbabwe. Uh, some of the sort of colonial names from some in, in China changed, like Peking became Beijing, although weirdly enough, you still ask for Peking duck in Beijing, even though Beijing is no longer Peking. Yeah, whatever. Um, there's all kinds of weird things like that. And then there's yeah, and then there's the the, the reasons that people change names all the time because Generally, for political reasons, 
Uh, you can debate them, but some of them are, make a total a lot of sense. Like no one wanted to be in Stalingrad anymore after all the crimes of Joseph Stalin came to light. So yeah, so places change names all the time. Countries change names. Maybe Dr. Nativo will completely rename his country Guatemala instead of Guatemala. I don't know. Uh, would be interesting to interesting to see. Anyway, so it takes me back to these islands off the coast of Argentina. Um, they used to be known as simply the Falkland Islands. That is their British name because the British sort of pseudo-colonized Argentina for a while in 19th century, and they kept possession of these islands, which they thought were not that important. There's a lot more sheep than there are human beings on the islands, but the Argentines, it always chafed them that there was this reminder of British colonialism right there off the coast of their country, thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away from Great Britain. So as generally as things you know happen um, in politics, when a political regime doesn't really get its way and start things start to go south and the and the populace gets a little annoyed and starts protesting and starting demanding change, a great way to uh, change the conversation is start a war, of course. So in the 1980s, as the Argentine military junta was becoming increasingly unpopular and people were demanding answers to the repression and the disappearances and the killings of people, the junta had this great idea to just start a war and distract people's attention and, and rally the country behind them. So they started the the invasion of the Falklands, which they never called the Falklands. They called them Las Islas Malvinas, the Malvinas Islands. Now, this war didn't really go very well for Argentina. In fact, they lost very quickly. And it was seen as a major triumph for Margaret Thatcher, who was also facing her own unpopularity crisis back at home in Great Britain, but she trotted out the Royal Navy and they they effectively routed the Argentine forces and she could declare a big victory. But the, the controversy didn't end there because it clearly was a, uh, a relic of colonialism. Argentina probably made a big foible in trying to seize that violently. Um, but what are you, what is someone supposed to do? What are map makers supposed to do? Here are these islands and uh, the the country closest to them calls them the Malvinas, and then this other country a long way away calls them the Falkland Islands. So Google Maps, um, in fact, I just I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check myself in real time because you never know. I mean, things change day to day, but uh, as as far as I can remember, that the the map makers since the war have kind of done the I guess you could call it the politically correct thing. They just simply call the islands by two names. They have the Falkland Islands and uh, Google. If you look at on Google, they they have Falkland Islands and then in parenthesis they say Islas Malvinas. Uh, so, just one more example. And since we're speaking of the Falkland Islands, I'm gonna I'm gonna play you a little song, um, one of my favorite sort of punk anthems about the Falkland Islands War. And I'm just calling that I'm just using Falkland Islands because I'm speaking English right now. If I were speaking Spanish, I would probably change it to Las Islas Malvinas. Um, but hey, 
Well, if nothing else, the war gave us some really good music. And uh, in Argentina and in Great Britain, sparked a lot of anti-war music. Uh, Nothing like musicians to to respond to a senseless war, even if um, the dispute is still so vexing and we don't know what to call these islands. Let's take a little musical break. This is um, this song was written by Billy Bragg right after the Falkland Islands War, the Island of No Return.
That was The Island of No Return by Billy Bragg, one of many songs inspired by a war that had much to do with the name of a place, the Falkland Islands, or in Argentina, known as the Islas Malvinas. And uh, yeah, this stuff still goes on um, whenever an Argentine president is in trouble these days and just happened a few years ago. They start making a big noise about uh, taking back the islands uh, for for the Argentines. Um, they have a little saying. They chant, uh, Las Malvinas son Argentinas. The Malvinas are Argentine. Anyway, so this uh, episode on word salad, the show with all the words, all the best words on CJSR 88.5 FM, is bringing you stories about name changes. Our feature interview this month has been a story with Dr. Nativo, who has made his fame off an album and a song, Guatemala, renaming Guatemala, Guatemala. And uh, yeah, huge fan. I really love the song. Great stuff. Um, Have no idea where it's going to go. Uh, but I can say that it is kind of an anthem among younger Guatemalans to start calling their country Guatemala. Hey, y'all. I'm back. One more segment for you, a quick segment. Uh, we're talking about places that change their names and how that happens and how that changes how people think about who, where they live. So we had we went from Guatemala to Guatemala. We went from the Islas Malvinas to the Falkland Islands and back again. Even talked about a war. And uh, I thought I would just wrap it up. Well, you just heard a little bit of... Um, Underneath there, you're hearing a little Mission of Burma, uh, sort of a post-punk band. Um, Burma, not known as Burma anymore. It's also known as, more commonly known as Myanmar. And uh, Myanmar has been in the news quite a bit in the past few years for for very sad reasons. Uh, There's a lot of ethnic strife there. There is a lot of persecution based around religious and ethnic groups. And... uh, it's a terrible, a terrible situation, and has a lot to do with the the fact of the country's name. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't I don't, I'm not a, a Burma slash Myanmar scholar. Just wanted to throw this one in here because it's another one that just really caught my attention. Of like a place that the name is very contested. So uh, Burma still remains one of the names of the country even though the country has been trying to get rid of that name because it harkens back to its colonial era when um, Burma was a British colony. However, the name Burma comes as an ethnonym, in other words, related to the ethnicity of the majority ethnic group in Myanmar, the Bamar. Uh, So apparently that has something to do with the Brahma, not totally sure. Going off Wikipedia here, gonna put that with give that one a grain of salt. But 
the military government tried to, well, did change its name from Burma to Myanmar, but the military government was widely panned as a repressive government. So um, today we still have both names. And in English, the country is popularly known as Burma or Myanmar. And both of those names actually still derive from the majority Burmese Bamar ethnic group. Uh, Myanmar is considered to be the more literary form of the name of the group, while Burma, the Bamar, is more colloquial. So, yeah. So there you go. And Burma continues to be used in English by the gov- by governments, including the UK, the US, and Canada. The official US policy retains Burma as the, as the country's name, but the State Department's website lists the country as Burma slash Myanmar. Kind of a little bit like, a, well, some people would say politically correct, but I, I would just call it straight up but diplomacy, kind of like calling the Falkland Islands Las Islas Malvinas, although... You never know how that's going to go. I mean, I always find it hilarious when people protest about um, a name being changed as if we're not constantly revising and revisiting and naming and renaming and re-re-renaming all the time. That's just what we do. That's how language works. It's nothing to get too riled up about. And hey, but I would like to hear from you um, any ideas you have about name changes, about uh, places or places that have changed their names or that should change their names. If you want to talk about it, Word Salad is always here to hear your stories. We like to hear from our listeners. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, CJSR Word Salad. You can just type that in the search bar and you will find the page for the for the show you can um, tweet at me scissor tail that's a uh, scissor like the thing that you cut with and tail as in like the do- the tail of a dog scissor tail one word seven four that's the state bird of the uh, state of Oklahoma by the way a scissor tail flycatcher and that's where I'm from originally it's still speaking of place names Oklahoma means land of red people in the Choctaw language not many people know that. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, anyway, place names. Could talk about it all day, but it's been fun. Get in touch. Uh, send us your ideas. Send me some comments. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, word up. Word up.